Hello, how-to listeners. If you are listening to this, it means you probably like our show, and you should let other people know. We would so appreciate it if you would go to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a rating and a review and tell your friends to tune in. Thanks. So, Joel, if you don't mind, could you read the tweet you sent a few weeks after the pandemic started? Yeah, sure. Let's see. It's all right. Uh, so, yeah, I tweeted this on April 9th. Um, you think you've conveyed the seriousness of the situation to your parents, and then you find out your father went to a honey-baked ham for your mother, who is planning to cook Easter dinner for your grandmother and wash her hair. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> This is Joel Anderson, a staff writer at Slate and the host of season three of the podcast Slow Burn. And Joel was tweeting about his parents and the coronavirus. Joel himself, he recently got infected, and and he thinks his parents aren't taking enough precautions in Houston, where they live. My mother was a nurse for many years. My dad was a medic in Vietnam. So they have all the information, but I thought they still weren't quite as rigorous in adhering to uh, social distancing as they should have, given their elderly Black people. So I just, I've been really been concerned about them and have been trying to stay on them ever since. So like, what are they doing? Are they like, are they leaving the house? Like, like, how are they, yeah. how are they quarantining? One night, my mother wasn't answering her phone. And so my aunt was on her way over there to check on her. And I was like, all right, well, hey, Aunt Tootsie, don't go inside. Make sure you all keep your distance. And she's like, what are you talking about? I was just over here on Sunday and went in the house and got, you know, oxtail and used the bathroom, did everything. I was already over here. And I was like, What? <laughs> You guys had a full-blown family dinner in the middle of a pandemic. And yes, I think that they think that I'm overreacting a little bit. Uh, in fact, my, my father posted on Facebook, you know, there are laws put down by the state and federal government, and then there are the regulations handed down by my son, you know, and <laughs> I'm just like, well, man, I, I, you know, I, I'm just very worried about you. I mean, you're 72 years old, you know. And, 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 like, when you point that out, like, besides your dad um, kind of flaming you behind the <laughs> yeah. scenes on Facebook, yeah. well, like, what, is, what have you found actually works? I don't think anything works. Um, I, to be honest, um, I've just had to turn to prayer. You're listening to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. So what should Joel do to get through to his parents? What would you do? It's a tricky situation because for most of our lives, our moms and dads are the ones telling us what to do. But what happens when it's the other way around? When it's the children who are now adults who know best? That's a pretty drastic shift, and it doesn't always go over well. On today's show, we'll hear from a listener who's trying to figure out how to convince his 86-year-old dad to stop driving because he's terrified he's going to hurt himself or someone else. But his dad refuses to give up his keys. And so for help, we'll turn to a surprising source, the former Saturday Night Live comedian Jim Brewer, who, believe it or not, knows exactly what to do. Don't go away. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. 
Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com slash podcast, or find it wherever you listen. Okay, can you guys hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. I'm still not on headphones. Sorry about this. I hate it when I'm that guy. That guy is Alan from Colorado. Alan wants to be candid about his parents, but he doesn't want to hurt their feelings, so we're not using his real name. I have the good fortune of having a very good relationship with both of my parents who are in their, uh, I w- I'm used to saying mid-80s, but now we're pushing up into the early 90s. My mom is 89. My dad is 86. And uh, I see them regularly. They're about a 15-minute drive away, hopefully with me doing the driving. Well, and that kind of gets us to why you had written to us. Well, my dad prides himself on being a very good driver. He was born and raised in New York, and he knows how to parallel park better than anybody and really just feels like driving is part of his identity. And as his health has declined and he becomes more frail, uh, his driving skills have, have continued to get worse and worse. And What does he say? Oh, I'm fine. I never thought I'd be the guy that that had to sit down and have the old guy who has his car keys taken away. Um, You and your brother are out to, you know, ground me. And it's very upsetting to him. And he will tell a stranger on the street, my my sons don't let me drive anymore, even though he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) And have there been any incidents? Yes. Um, He was coming back from a, a, a long road trip, which he and my mom enjoy. And fell asleep at the wheel and drove off the road and totaled the car. And oh my gosh. Fortunately, nobody was hurt. So that really was a wake-up call. And I talked to his cardiologist. And I said, I need, your, I need your help. Could you please do me a favor and be the messenger and tell my father he can't drive? And we had what I thought was a turning point conversation. And now I look back on it and I realize just how naive I was. Despite having that conversation, Alan's dad has kept driving, and Alan has kept worrying. So how does he get past his dad's stubbornness? We turn to an expert who knows all about dealing with a parent who doesn't want to change. Uh, My name's Jim Brewer. Most people know me as a stand-up comedian. Jim got his start in the 1990s on Saturday Night Live. And his dad was there for Jim's very first show. I flew him up from Florida, and we went to the show, and I got cut out of the first show, and we went to the, they have these after parties, and we were there, and at the end of the night, we were leaving, and I wanted my dad to meet Lorne Michaels. 
Lauren Michaels, of course, is the creator and executive producer of SNL. And I'm trying to explain to him, this is the man that's created so many stars. Like, this is, this is an icon. And he goes up to Lorne Michaels. And I said, Dad, this is Lorne Michaels. Lorne, this is my father. Lorne goes, you know, it's very nice to meet you. And my dad goes, you know, uh, I flew up from Florida to see the show. And uh, Jimmy wasn't on it. show sucked. <laughs> <laughs> what what happened? And and Lorne was very classy. He goes, well, you know, it happens. And um, next week, Chevy Chase is on. He's already inquired about Jim. He goes, next week, I'm not here next week. Who? Can, what happened tonight? Because the show sucked. Jim's dad was a real character. He he was this World War II vet and sanitation worker from Long Island who loved his New York Mets. My dad, you know, World War II vet, you know, shuffles around. I'm like, Sylvester Stallone, do you mind meeting my dad? He's like, absolutely, I'd love to. As Jim's comedy career took off, with characters like Goat Boy on SNL and in stand-up specials, and as a regular on Howard Stern, his dad was his biggest fan. Hey, your father's hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> Meanwhile, however, his father was getting older, and at some point, just like Alan's dad, Driving became a major issue. My father, we knew he couldn't really drive, but he wouldn't admit to it. Jim says that at the time, his sister needed a car. And so his mom just gave her the car that belonged to Jim's dad without asking him. From that moment on, my father stopped shaving, he stopped bathing, and he would sleep all day long. He felt so betrayed. And I didn't realize that till months and months later when I took him, I took him out on the road with me. And um, we were in Florida and I was actually going to go visit that sister. I said, hey, dad, we're going to go see so-and-so. And went, yeah, maybe they could take something else from me. No one cares about me. And that literally was the beginning of killing my father. Now, I don't know how old you are. I'm 52. I'm 54. Okay, they're staring at death and mortality. And a lot of times we don't take that in consideration. You know, whether you want to realize or not, he does not have a lot of time left. So him giving up the car is throwing in the flag. It's over. Now I have to be dependent on everyone else. Let me ask you, Alan, what do you... Like, does that... How do you think your dad would react if if you guys just took away his car? Is is his identity tied up in the same way with kind of this freedom and and being able to to be an adult? Absolutely. 100% matches up. Um and the light bulb for me is just the recognition about the, the mortality. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad is very uncomfortable with mortality. I I try to you know, I, that's something that's a very personal struggle. And I don't think I frankly have um, fully processed exactly just why this issue and the control issue and the throwing in the towel, um, I see it now and more clearly than I had. And I've said to myself and I've said to my children, when I am in your grandfather's role, please remember this, remind me of this conversation so that I have the wisdom to let go of the keys. And now I see just how unrealistic 
that perspective is for him. Maybe I'll be capable of it, Mm -hmm. but when I'm 30 years older, who knows? This is the first big issue. Whether you're trying to get your parents to stop driving like Alan or stop throwing Easter parties during a pandemic like Joel, recognize that surrendering something important like that doesn't mean just giving up a car or your social life, but possibly surrendering your independence. Jim says that after the car was taken away, his dad's ability to take care of himself started deteriorating. And so Jim decided to take his 84-year-old dad on a comedy tour with him. An experience that Jim made into a documentary called More Than Me. What? What time's the show? So I know what time to go to sleep. (laughs) When we come back, Jim will share some of the lessons he learned on the road with his dad. Stick with us. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. The podcast An Arm and a Leg is a show that takes on a topic most of us find enraging and terrifying and depressing, the cost of healthcare, with stories that are entertaining, fascinating, and useful. Of course, now that we're living in the middle of a pandemic, An Arm and a Leg is more relevant than ever. It's like a financial how-to for surviving COVID-19. Recent episodes include tips on how to talk to your health insurance company from someone on the inside. In another episode, we hear from a woman who survived COVID about how she made it through without going broke. The host, Dan Weissman, is a longtime reporter for outlets like Marketplace and Planet Money. Check it out at armandalegshow.com or wherever you get podcasts. We're back with our listener, Alan, and comedian Jim Brewer. And when Jim decided to take his dad on the road with him for his comedy tour, it was at a time when Jim's dad was developing Alzheimer's and, and needed some care. I knew if I left him alone, nobody would sacrifice what I would do. Clean him every time he craps himself and shower him, get him on the bus, 
Now he's got to go to the bathroom. Ask the bathroom, hey man, can you pull over? Oh shoot, he didn't make it. Now I got to clean him again. But you know what? That time, we, we laughed so hard. There were times where I cried, but I knew, I knew if I didn't do this, he had nothing to live for. Dad's up, what's up, Pops? You good? There he is. Stick your head out, Muff. And as he went on tour, and, and more and more people sort of learned that his father was in the audience, they would start recognizing him and coming up to his dad and talking to him. The dad. My first senior. The dad. The dad. All right. I gotta go. He would say rude things. Sometimes he'd, he'd talk to people. Wait, what would he say? What rude things would he say? Oh, uh, busted balls. And then, and then talking to the other table and, and, and making fun of people as they walk by. You know, we're going to rear end on that one. Dad, what's wrong with you? you they can hear you. Oh, they can't hear me. But I saw how much life it gave him. Well, let me ask you this, Jim. Like when you when you think back to that period of spending all that time with your dad, and and I'm sure it was stressful because you're going up on stage, you're doing shows, you're trying to manage him. Like, what did you learn that someone like Alan can benefit from? I learned sacrifice. I learned the importance of life, the importance of getting rid of our own pride and selfishness. The greatest thing that I had in my life was those moments with my dad that I sacrificed to go out of my way, knowing, I, I look at it as a soldier, he's a wounded soldier. Now it's my duty as a human to take care of this soldier. Alan, do you think, do you think your dad's like that? Yeah, absolutely. Typical Brooklyn Jew in a lot of ways that lived and died by the Brooklyn Dodgers, pretty much a curmudgeon. And I'm smiling hearing these stories because um, so many common denominators, but he has got a wonderful sense of humor. And I'm so blessed to have the relationship I have with him and the ability to have a lucid conversation with an 86-year-old father. And I'm feeling incredibly motivated right now, more than I ever have, to, to take advantage of these precious days that we have left. And I got to tell you, if he were to pass now, I would be saddled with a lot of guilt right. over, did I really try my hardest? Did I really try to make those last years of his life as positive as they could be and as full as they could be? Do you feel like, do you feel like that guilt might be influencing how you communicate with your dad? Yes, I do. I mean, if you're guilty, yeah. you're focusing on yourself. So I think I would be entirely... Um, better as a son and a support system if I let go of the guilt. So here's our first rule. Without meaning to, it's easy to make the way we treat our parents about ourselves, uh, about our guilt or, or our concerns about what's going to happen when we get old. But the more we can let go of that, the more we can see our parents the same way we would see a friend. That's when we can really help them and us see the situation with clearer eyes. Pretend I'm your dad. What would you tell me if you could tell me anything? I just feel like more than anything, it's not what I say. It's just being in his presence and showing that he matters to me by taking time um, 
to show that. And like right now, I feel like I should drive over there. I'm looking at my calendar for the day and all the meetings I have lined up and Zoom and conference calls. And I'm like, is any of that, is that really that important? Can I, can I just skip out on all that and just go over there and hang out on the back patio with our masks and just, just chat? And the answer is an emphatic yes. <laughs> I got to tell you, one of the things I did, I would go over his house, I'd go, Dad, I know you don't know how to work YouTube, but wait till you see this concert. I found Hank Williams in 1940. And look at this. And then that brings on memories and it brings on happiness and it gives him a little extra breath in life and now he's not concentrating it's like well i want to get my car and i want to drive and i want i want to show you i can drive now you're just spending time you're gonna have the greatest memories of your lifetime just watching this it's like watching a child grow except for we were never taught that this is what we're supposed to do with our parents Here's the next rule. The more time you spend with your parents, the easier these conversations and changes are gonna be. Part of the challenge isn't just convincing a parent to give up some independence. It's dealing with that anxiety and guilt that you feel. And the more time you spend with them, the more those conversations become about strengthening your relationships, about showing them that you love them, rather than just fighting over the car keys. Jim, let me ask you, when did you realize that you were you were getting through your dad, that you guys were, were oh. developing this new relationship? I knew right away. I knew right away. The, 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 first of all, just being there. And the minute I got rid of the attitude of, you need to do this and you need to do that, I just realized the more I gave him love, the more I just spent time the more I played his music, the more I'd take him out for a little drive here and pretend I needed company. Hey, Dad, I need, can you please take a ride on me? And now he feels important, but it just gave him meaning. It gave him purpose. What I just took away from Jim's last comments there is, is um, asking him for advice, um, reversing that, um, because again, I have not done a lot of that. But when I do, when I ask him a question, and I do, because I, I asked him a lot of questions about uh, history. He's a, he's a, my dad's a retired history teacher. And I can just see when I ask him questions, <laughs> um, he lights up. And so what I'm thinking right now in terms of my strategy is really let it, let it happen. Just see what happens. Spend the time make a concerted effort to make this about him and try to be the best friend I can be to my dad. There you go. For the next one day at a time and just see, don't force this conversation. Um, the mistake I've always made is trying to force the conversation um, about driving when they've been very uncomfortable. They've been very rehearsed and they feel very artificial instead of just, just go with the flow. And, and, uh, and he's not stupid. You know, maybe drive he knows it. No. He's not stupid. Yeah. He knows. Right. I was driving him everywhere after a while. And once in a while, he'd go, can I drive? And I'd laugh and I'd go, hell no. And then after not driving for a while, I brought him in my neighborhood. And I swear on my life, I said, do you want to drive through the neighborhood? And he got in the car and he almost hit 
two mailboxes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was scared to death. And he made it to the cul-de-sac and back, but I could tell he realized he was struggling. And that issue never really came up again. But then there does come sometimes when we do need to ask them to do things they don't want to do, like like give up their keys if we think that they're unsafe. And one of the things that experts suggest is they say, a way to do that is to say, instead of I'm trying to force this on you to say, look, could you do this for for your kids, your grandkids, right? To, t- to tap into that, that a parent wants to be a parent. And that if we frame this as, I worry about you all the time and it's right. it's really keeping me up or I just, I worry about the impact it would have on your grandkids, my kids, if they heard that you had been in a car accident. Do you think that would change the conversation? The closest thing I've had to that conversation, I asked him, just, just try to reverse our roles. What would you do? And ask him the question. Um, and I don't know that I really stayed with that conversation long enough and pursued it to a, to a place where maybe a light bulb might go off. But I do think that um, I can say to him, Dad, just, just put yourself in my shoes. Here's our next rule. Let your dad be a dad. Now ask him for advice about the problem you're dealing with. Now ask him, what would you do if you were me? And then you can take it a step further and appeal to his instincts to protect his family. You can say to him, imagine how your grandkids would feel if you got hurt. In other words, your parents are just like everyone else. They want the opportunity to make the right decision rather than having it forced on them. Well, there is one more question I wanted to ask both of you guys about, which is, you know, I think that sometimes even with the best of intentions and the best advice, it doesn't work, right? And so there is this question, which is, at what point do we go out and enlist help? Yeah, a good question. And I've, I've asked that question a lot. Um, and I don't have the answer other than, um, you know, time is ticking and, and I, 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 don't, I don't have the answer. Jim, well, what do you think on that? I, I could tell you this. Don't think that far. We can't think that far. We got to think about right now. Right now is where we live. Right now is the moment that we're in. So that's number one. Now, I think with the time you're going to invest, the time that you're going to sacrifice and the love and the honor you're going to start giving him, I'm going to predict this problem becomes less and less and less. Even then, it's out of your hands if he wants to take a drive when no one's around. Let's just pray it doesn't get to that point. But right now, you're living in the now. Here's the final rule. It's really easy to get scared thinking about the future and and all the potential catastrophes that could occur. But sometimes that fear makes us so controlling that we worry about a problem that might occur when we ought to be dealing with the right now. You're going to be able to handle whatever comes down the line, particularly once you spend time in the present building up your relationships with your dad or your mom. Absolutely. What I've learned already is that this is not about me which it was coming in, how can you help me take my dad's car keys away from him? And now that's not the question at all. How can you help me be the best friend to my dad during his, let's be honest, final days and chapters of his life to make 
it the most meaningful for both of us. I, I am so uh, motivated. <laughs> this conversation started out about driving and it's gone a completely different direction and one that I was not anticipating. And how amazing is that? How amazing is that, that you still have that opportunity? Yeah. I learned more about my father in the last five to six years than I ever did my whole lifetime. And he, he passed away in 2014. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, he finally had this last stroke that took him out and he was done. And we had him in the room and we played his music and I would still talk to him like he can hear me. And I would bust his chops nonstop. I'd go, you can't even move right now. But he would open his eyes once in a while. And I kept telling him, I said, listen, I know you don't want me here when you go, but I'm holding you. And I know you didn't want that because you're a man. And man, I said, I'm holding you. I said, don't try to leave when I'm not in this room. And I wouldn't leave the room for over 24 hours. I would sleep in here and everything. And then my nephew came and everyone said, you, you got to take a shower. You smell disgusting. The only reason my dad's still alive is because he smells you. You're keeping him alive. And, you know, we'd laugh. So I said, all right, dad, listen to me. I'm going to take a shower. Don't try to sneak away. Okay? And I went out, took a shower, got out of the shower. And my youngest daughter said, dad, grandpa's, grandpa's opening his eyes. But I knew what that meant. I went running down the stairs into the bed. He was grasping his last breaths. I jumped into bed and I said, you sneaky bastard. You try to get out of here while I was in there. What did I tell you? I told you I will never let you go. And it was beautiful. Thank you to Alan for sharing his story with us and to Jim Brewer for all of his advice. You can find his comedy specials and tour dates at his website. And after you've done listening to this, you should definitely check out his podcast called The Jim Brewer Podcast. If you're listening to this show and you're thinking to yourself, wait a second, I have a problem that I need help with, then you should contact us. You can send us a note at howtoitslate.com or you can call and you can leave us a voicemail. Our number is 646-495-4001. And if you are a fan of the show, please consider becoming a member of Slate Plus. For just $35 a year, that's right, just $35 a year, you get to listen to this show and all of your favorite Slate podcasts ad-free. Plus, you'll be supporting all the wonderful news and entertainment coverage that Slate provides. Go to slate.com slash howtoplus to sign up. Thank you. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant, and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks this week to Sung Park, Amanda Godman, Katie Rayford, and Maggie Taylor. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thank you for listening. <laughs>